Right on. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. Nice to see you all. Some faces that I've known for a long time around here, and some faces that I, I've, I don't know of just, just meeting, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll meet after. Um, some of you I know, uh, and you've started going to the church since I left. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for the introduction, Jordan. You did take a part of my job, so you're welcome. And uh, we, went to, we went to pizza. That's where we, I can remember us being out for pizza and talking over ministry in the church. I don't remember, brick, was there still a Brickyard Pizza? A Brickyard Pizza. We grabbed some pizza. The city has changed a lot. The church has changed a lot. Uh, this, I don't know if this is a, I don't know how, how everyone feels about this, but this downstairs building, this downstairs of this building was started like probably two to three years into me being on staff at the church and now about eight years later I'm looking in and I'm like there it is the fruit of the labor it's happened it's hard uh, these older buildings the other thing this is a this is a tidbit that not everyone gets to know especially if you're in youth ministry in this church this will be good for you to know those couches sitting right out there those those couches in that in that spot right there if you you can go take them for a test spin after they're just going to treat you so well uh I brought those couches in when I was in a past, in, in pastoral role here. Those were my couches from when I was six years old in, at 1125 Pigeon Avenue, Williams Lake, British Columbia. <clears throat> so those, those couches out there, when we, when we brought those in, I'm like, guys, sorry, these are a little gross, but... The budget's tight here right now on the old youth ministry front. And uh, so let's just sort of, we'll just sneak these in because they're never going to keep them for long. And uh, here we are. I brought those in uh, probably 11 years ago now. And they've moved around the building, worked through some renos, and uh, a lot of furniture has gone. But obviously, do not remove those couches. They're amazing artifacts now. Probably have a lot of my dead skin and a lot of other... Oh, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how I can get that kind of reaction again in this session. Keep you engaged in that, in that type of thing. But anyways, they're, uh, they're, they're nasty one way or another. Uh, so, hey, let's pray. Uh, it's good to be here. Lord, thanks so much that we can be here together. Um, thanks, God, that you, you have just, you have a plan for us, Lord. You, you want to lead us into something great. I pray that there'd be no person in this room uh, either if they are in this spot right now where they don't feel like they have any calling, I pray that even by the end of this time that they would start to feel this sense within, within who they are here that you have something for them. That, that whether that's in their marriage, whether that's in raising kids, rather, whether that's in high school right now or it's in their college program, whether it's in... Uh, uh, their retirement and, and working with people around them, whether it's in their job, wherever they're at right now, God, I just pray that people would just discover their calling in this time, that you would, uh, you would lead them. They would know how to follow you and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've been called, uh, I was asked to do this uh, personal leadership, and, um, and to some extent I feel like there's been so much talked about personal leadership in the last you know, a couple decades probably, uh, especially people, uh, uh, except a lot of people have used this different language that has to do with more like self-care. Uh, I'm thinking about how do I care for myself? How do I look after myself? 
that, that's not going to be the direction that I take this uh, in. And partly because it's, not, it's never been my heart for myself. Uh, for me, as, as long as I have walked with Jesus, I have felt that God is, I feel most alive. I feel most like myself. I feel most like I'm fulfilled. I feel most like hev- heaven is coming to earth. When I'm walking in a way that um, is far beyond uh, just caring for myself <laughs> and far more into just discovering the fullness of Christ. I don't want to f- discover the fullness of heaven. I want to discover the fullness of Christ. I want to know what God can do with my life, not what I can do with my life. I want to know what He could accomplish through me, not what I could accomplish uh, through myself. And so my journey in, <clears throat> in ministry, they asked me to do personal leadership, so this is what you get. But uh, my journey in, in the last uh, 15 years uh, in, in doing ministry and, and such has all been about God, God calling me into places that were far beyond my capacity, far beyond what I could carry, far beyond what would be manageable for me, and then thriving in the midst of it. And so that, that is something miraculous. And I want us to live miraculous lives. I don't want us to live the, the Oprah Winfrey kind of life that says, uh, you know, just love yourself and have a good balance and eat well and, and you know, put a little uh, Jesus cherry on top and you're going to be happy. I want us to live the kind of lives that say, God, I, I can thrive in, in doing, doing missions work in Afghanistan as well as I could thrive in a massive home with a white picket fence and all of my kids healthy and no one hurt around me here, here in, in uh, Victoria. Wherever, whichever you ask me to do, I believe that I can live my best life there because you've called me, so you'll strengthen me, so your, your Holy Spirit will walk with me. And so that's what we're going to try to run with. That's what we're going to believe for. That's what we're going to look for. And, uh, and that's what I'm about. Is that all right? Um, so uh, hopefully, hopefully that fits okay. We're talking about the one um, area of leadership that I couldn't lead you in. No matter how great of a leader uh, I am, I can't, uh, I can't lead you personally. I can't lead your personal journey. There's an aspect of you becoming who God has called you to be that I can't do for you. And that's kind of the area that we want to hit on right now. No matter how much, no matter how great a sermon I preach, no matter how great, a, no matter how inspirational, no matter how the culture I build, no matter how much uh, support I give you, there are aspects of your journey, there are aspects of pulling out the potential that God wants to to uh, stir up in you. There are aspects of that that I cannot achieve for you. No one else can achieve for you. You will have to, at some point, choose to achieve those for yourself. So I can't take on the call of God in your life for you. You have to do that for yourself. You have to walk that out yourself. And so that's, that's where we're at today. Um, Proverbs 4.23 uh, become a very important verse in my life. Above all else. Oh, this is important to hear because this is Solomon speaking. And Solomon is a very bright uh, person who knows a whole lot of things. He had a whole lot of money, had a whole lot of fame, had a whole lot of people looking to him, uh, trusting in him, wrote a whole lot of things. And he says, but the most important of those things, here's what he says, above all else, guard your heart. See, I, I want you to hear before we get too far. That personal leadership is not going to be about uh, guarding, guarding your calendar first, though that's a good thing. It's not about guarding your circumstances first, though that's a good thing. It's not about getting the right amount of exercise first, though that's a good thing. It's not about eating right first, though those, that's a good thing. It's not about making sure that you have the right amount of time with your spouse, kids, work, 
church, serving, uh, all that, and finding the right balance. Those, those are all great things. It's about recognizing where your heart is at. And your heart is going to be in the best place when it's walking in obedience to the one who made you. Because he's got a plan beyond just your life, where your life fits within a much bigger context than just your life. All of a sudden, you get to walk in a way that, that when you're following him, that you just become a, a brush stroke on a masterpiece rather than a masterpiece in and of yourself. And so you get to be a piece of his big story. When you're a piece of his big story, then you're willing to do a job that you wouldn't do if you're only, the only legacy you could leave was this life then you, you might choose a different life. But if the legacy you're going to leave is actually the entire story of history and, and Israel and Jesus and all of that, if you just a brushstroke on that and you get to celebrate in heaven and high-five everyone and be like, can you believe this Moses and like Joseph and Abraham and like, isn't this awesome? I, I, you know, I didn't, well, I didn't do that much. It was sort of this whole thing. But I'm, I got part of your story too, right? All of a sudden, then we're okay to go wherever God calls us to go. And our heart is at most at home and at peace when we're following Jesus. It doesn't matter where or when or how. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If your heart's not good, if you're not leading your heart well, if you're not healing your heart well, if you're not allowing yourself to be, uh, allowing your heart to be restored, you will not do well. Your marriage will not do well. Your friendships will not do well. You won't treat your bosses well. You won't treat your employees well. You won't treat your coworkers well. You won't treat your kids well. And so personal leadership is all about us recognizing and checking our hearts. There's a lot of advice out there for how to balance the exterior of your life. There's not a, t a ton of us allowing uh, God and allowing uh, ourselves to, to look at our hearts. Just, just so we're clear, and I said this in the marriage one, I'll say it now too. The, the happiness that you're meant to experience in your life comes from Jesus. If you're a Christian, you believe that. If you're not a Christian today, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan for you, a purpose for you. And he wants you to experience the fullness that he has. But it's going to come from him. It will not come from balancing your checkbook or working out your calendar properly. Those are great things to do. They honor God, but they're not, they're not where your fulfillment is going to come from. So uh, scripture teaches us that out of our heart is where everything flows. Everything uh, goes from our heart. And yet, as, as Christians, as believers, as, often as churches, uh, often as pastors, the things that we address is not heart issues. The things that we address are the, the, the things that come from the heart. In other words, often when we, when we think of, when we show up at church, we feel like I'm in trouble because of my addiction. You know, I shouldn't have this addiction in my life. I shouldn't be walking in this particular way or whatever it is. And, and maybe I should stop that. But we never stopped when, our, when we recognize there's something going on in my heart that's leading me towards that, that's moving me towards that. Addiction or rage or an affair. If an affair happens, it's usually like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why did you do that? Stop that, you know. But, but wait a sec. What was going on in the heart that led to that? Why did we never address that? Why didn't we stop along the way and figure out there's something going on in your heart, something happening in your heart? And instead, we sort of say, just don't have an affair. You know, don't, don't do that. Or don't, don't watch porn or whatever. Overspending. You know, overspending comes from a heart issue. It's not just like, oh, I just spent it. I don't know. Like, no, you needed that boat because you, the, your, your neighbor had the bigger boat. So, like, okay, he's got that boat. Well, we better have this boat. Or you needed that outfit because on Instagram, the person that you love following, they had that outfit. And like, okay, well, I better get that outfit. 
and we and we do we overspend, but we go, you should don't overspend or balance your budget or do that. No, no, no. Deal with the issue in your heart that causes you to constantly compare with people. Why are you always looking at what everyone else has? You know, that that's personal leadership when we actually can address our heart. What's causing us to do the actions that, that we see in front of us? What's causing us to, to do the things? Because if we just stop the actions, we never deal with the heart. Jesus isn't out here to deal with our actions. He's here to deal with our hearts. And when Jesus is meeting us, he doesn't, like, I don't know about you this morning, man, when Andy was, uh, when, when, uh, when he was speaking, Pastor Andy was speaking, oh, man, I was undone. I don't know. I don't know if you were, or if you were more like someone that Pastor uh, Adam was talking about, feeling like, "Why didn't I get? Why didn't I get hit by the Holy Spirit?" But for me, I was just like, "Oh, something was happening in me. I was feeling the call of God in my life again, I'm just being restored to that." I, that's who Jesus is, and out of that, my life changes. But Jesus doesn't go change your life and I'll change your heart. He says, "I'll change your heart and watch your life change. Watch what starts to come out of it." Watch what starts to spill out of out of a changed heart, you know. We or, or burnout. I don't know if you're in ministry. Burnout is a language that we usually only use in ministry. It seems like maybe we use it more in the corporate world now than we used to. But often people talk about burning out of ministry, like, oh, I burnt out. You know, I worked so hard, I did all this stuff, and now I'm just worn out, I'm tired. I, I can't keep going. I'm stressed. I'm a- anxious. I'm all of this stuff. And we go, oh no, they're burnt out. We better help them now, or, or, or we better condemn them now, depending on where you stand. Uh, yeah. we, we better do this thing and make sure that they're okay. But wait a second, we never address their heart that caused them to overwork in the first place. We never helped them when they said, I'm going to put in the late hours, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to go home to my family, and I'm not going to, no, 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 something needs to happen. We never said, hey, hold up a second. Your heart is, is driving you to accomplish something because you are forgetting your value in the first place. And so, so what does it look like to start to recognize heart and deal personally with leading ourselves uh, in a good place? What about apathy? Sometimes we address apathy. Hey, you're lazy, you know. Hey, you're not working. You're not, you're not doing this. You're not pushing hard for this. But we don't often go, hey, what's going on that's causing you to feel like you have no purpose? When we have purpose in front of us, we drive to it. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but when I feel like I've got something in front of me, I'm, not, I'm after it. I want it. And anyone who's ever started a business, you've known how that felt, or uh, started a church, or started a, a marriage, or started uh, raising kids, or, or started anything new. You started going to college. You, you, know, you, you started at a new job. You start whatever it was. And you're like, oh, I'm going to, this is the best. I'm going to chase after This is, this is going to be awesome. I, I can see where this is going to go. I can see what's going to be accomplished. I can see this is incredible. And you chase after it, right? You go for that thing. But then all of a sudden, uh, as you're going after that thing, you start to lose purpose. You start to forget the original passion. You start to dwindle and get tired and, lo- and lose a little bit of focus. And now you're like, I don't know if I'm going to really worry about it. I'll go in late if I go in at all. And then we go, hey, why are you being so apathetic? No, 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 no. What, what, where did you lose purpose? You know, what, what purpose can we find for your heart again? Matthew 5, 8. I love what Jesus says here. Blessed are the pure in heart. We recently talked about this at, at our church in uh, Courtney. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know what Jesus doesn't say? Blessed are the pure in actions. But we always say, Good Christian are the pure in actions. 
I don't really care what your heart looks like. Just don't do the wrong thing. Jesus comes along and says, I'm not actually going to hear to talk to you about your actions. Blessed are the pure in heart. And, and what does pure in heart mean? Pure in heart means that I don't have to hide anything with my actions. I don't need to pretend to be something that my heart says I'm not. I don't need to fight to look a certain way that my heart says I'm not actually being. And so, in other words, when I buy, when I buy the, the new clothes because that person down the road has the new clothes, I want to look a certain way to appear a certain way, but I want to pass it off as if, no, no, I'm just really trendy and I just do this all by myself. But really, our heart says, I'm so jealous that that person's getting attention. I'm so jealous that they have something new. I'm so, And our actions start to disguise what's actually going on inside of our heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. A personal leadership is about us uh, working on the very thing that no one else can work on for you. It's about working on your heart and letting and, and opening it to Jesus, cracking it open and letting Him work on it. And this is the great news. Blessed are the pure in heart for what? Does anyone know what it says? They will see God. That's cool. I don't know if you ever felt like I just want to see God. I do. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those whose actions match their heart. Those who aren't disguising their, their heart but with their actions. Sometimes our actions become distractions. Our actions actually keep us from dealing with what's actually in our heart. And so addressing your, your issues in your heart, addressing your issues isn't so you can look a certain way, but so you can see a certain way. It's not so you can appear a certain way, but it's so you can see God. Jesus says being pure in heart is not so that you can look pure in heart. It's so that you can see God. It's not you look a certain way, it's that you can see a certain way. I want to look at a couple verses with you uh, in Scripture because I think these are super, super important for us. And then we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit at the end about how we can kind of deal with our heart on some of this stuff or what are the greatest challenges to this. Matthew 23, 5-12, and then we're going to move down uh, in Matthew 23 as well. This is Jesus. He's talking to uh, mostly the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are classic for looking a certain way on the outside, but not actually being that way on the inside. They look really holy, um, but, but on the inside, they're actually really uh, not, not doing so good. Because just so you know, if you want to look holy, you've got an issue with your heart. If you want to be holy, that's, you, you, you've got a pure heart. If you want to look holy, you've got an issue with your heart. You need to address that. As Christians, personal leadership is addressing, am I, am I trying to look like a Christian or am I trying to be a Christian? Am I trying to look like I have a relationship with Jesus or am I, do, do I just want a relationship with Jesus? Am I trying to look like I'm a good worshiper uh, because I'm here on Sunday? Or do I just want to worship my King of Kings? Like, Do I, do I just value Him? Personal leadership is, is uh, getting to the place where our heart can start to shape our outside rather than our outside can hide what's going on in our heart. Matthew 23, 5-12. Everything they do, this is Jesus talking about the Pharisees, everything they do is done for people to see. <clears throat> They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. The phylacteries are, are basically this thing. There, was this, there were certain scriptures that, that the Pharisees were meant to recite all the time. And earlier on in scripture, Jesus or God had talked about, you know, I want the, the word of God, I want the laws to be written on your heart, but not, not just on your heart, I want them on the doorposts, I want them on the doors, I want them to, to be uh, on your foreheads, on your arms, I want you to tie them everywhere when, you, when you're walking to school, I want you to talk about them when, you, when you're eating dinner, I want you to talk about them before you go to bed, I want you to talk about them. So they built these like 
leather thing, boxes that they'd put on their heads. They're like, have all of the scripture that they would look at. And so all of a sudden there's this competition to see who's holiest. Look how big my phylactery is. Come on. It's different than the... Anyways. Uh, I was going to bat. I was <clears throat> pure in heart. They will see God. <laughs> uh, so they, they've all got these big, big old things, and Jesus is like, "Isn't that cool? Like, look at, like, imagine, imagine walking around as at church and be like, excuse me, have you seen my phylactery lately? Because I have right there, you know. Uh, and it's just this, this massive thing, and they're just trying to show off. Look how holy I am. Look at what it is. Jesus keeps tearing this apart over and over through Scripture. By the way, he often, or he speaks about this several times about. Not only should you not uh, do things to be praised, but if you are praised publicly for things, you don't you lose your heavenly praise. Like the, the the heavenly reward is lost if you gain an earthly reward for your actions. Like that's a that's a pretty crazy statement. It's not just don't do it for others to see. He says actually do things in secret. <laughs> Actually do things quietly. Actually don't let people see what you're doing. And so not only don't put your phylactery like way out here, but actually tuck it away in your heart. Put it, put it there. Put it in your secret place. Put it in the quiet closet. Anyways, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Love it. Jesus says there's not actually a hierarchy that you can achieve a higher level. You're all this, and God is this. You're going to carry different roles on this playing field. But God is this, and you're all going to be this. There's not a, dun, 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 I'm getting closer to God. Sometimes we think we can get a little closer to God. Can't. God, God is here. We are here. He comes to us through Jesus. His Holy Spirit comes to us through Jesus. We die, and then we go and be with Him. As long as we're on this planet, all of our interactions are still us being human and Him moving through us. And so, so he's saying, listen, there's not a hierarchy to achieve. Part of guarding your heart, especially in Christian circles, part of personal leadership, especially in Christian circles, uh, part of your Christian growth is going to be about recognizing that you don't grow above someone else. You don't grow and all of a sudden now I get to boss you around and you around and you around. Now God will position us different ways. I'm a lead pastor of a church. I lead a staff and so there is some leadership that I need to have over that staff. But it doesn't mean that I have some sort of uh, like, hey, like I, I know some sort of access to God that you don't know. No, he, the Holy Spirit is in you if you call him the Holy Spirit as it's in me. You have a different role in this church. I'm the leader. You're the whatever you are, youth pastor or whatever it is. But, but uh, we're all connected to Jesus only through him and his grace and his righteousness. And so personal leadership recognizes that I, it's, all, all, it's never going to be my thing. It's always going to be his thing. Matthew 23, 25 to 28, he keeps going on. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. 
blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then here, I want you to hear this. And then the outside will be clean. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say clean the inside and then start to address the outside. He says clean the inside. The outside will take care of itself. So in other words, he's not. he, he doesn't say heal your heart and then change your actions. He says heal your heart and your actions will change. You catch the difference there? That Jesus is actually going to give us new actions, not because we are able to create a, a, a desire for them or some sort of capacity for them, but he will give us uh, the way to live. He will empower us to live a different way through us addressing the issues in our heart. Personal leadership is you allowing your heart to be open so that God can work on it. I can tell you, I can tell you to how to schedule your calendar. I can tell you how to, how to have friends around you. I thought of all that for this personal leadership concept. Here's the balance. Here's how many dinners you should be home with your family. You know, here's, here's what time you should get up in the day. Here's how often you should exercise. I could tell you all of that stuff, and that that'd be that would be fine. But the the most important thing about personal leadership is: Are you living out of a bitter heart or a or a full heart? Are you living out of a sick heart or a healthy one? Are you living out of a heart that is is constantly entitled, or are you living out of a heart that constantly wants to be generous and compassionate? Because if if it's anything other than compassion and generosity and fullness then it's not, your calendar is not going to fix it. Jesus will. And he might tell you, fix your calendar. But, but it's, it's Him. It's pursuing Him. Figuring out ways to make yourself accessible to Him is how you're going to change your heart. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Crazy. You know, I, 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 uh, I wrote down here, crazy thing when I read this, the crazy thing is that Jesus says all this, but then he never tells them how to change their heart. He doesn't go, okay, here's, here's all the stuff, but now clean up your heart. He doesn't actually, even in that moment, say, like, how to do it. I think Jesus maybe actually intentionally, like maybe we're not supposed to know exactly how to clean our heart. I think there's confession. I think there's some pieces that, that, that matter to that. But I think more importantly is the why of we clean our heart. We, the reason why we clean our heart is because we've got a calling on our life that requires our heart to be ready to follow Jesus wherever he asks us to go. And this morning when I was sitting under Pastor Andy's preaching, man, I felt just a burden for myself, for all of you, for the people who are at this conference, to, that, that we need to be in a spot, not where we're like, oh, I have a nice healthy balance of eating and healthy balance of schedule and a healthy balance on my finances and I'm going to live a nice healthy balance until I die and then I'll go to heaven and won't that be cool. But I felt like God was starting to stir my heart again to the place of, of saying, Evan, I'll I've called you. You're where you are not because it was the best choice for your family. You're where you are because I told you to. That's it. Personal leadership is figuring out how to get your heart in the place that you would say yes if Jesus asked you. 
Now, someone else who's not a Christian will tell you a different personal leadership strategy because their goal is to get you health in the most healthy and full way to death. My goal is to get you to the place, uh, the greatest place of bringing heaven to earth here now. You're going to die. We're all going to die. And, and some of you are going to go there in a real healthy and amazing way because you figured out how to balance your life. Praise God. That would be awesome. Some of you, but, but the, the disciples didn't die this healthy, beautiful way. Some of them got uh, cut in half. <laughs> you know, some of them got put, put on islands and left there. Some of them got stoned to death. So, so that, that's how the disciples lived. So a healthy heart as a Christian is not figuring out, oh, let's see if I can balance everything. It's figuring out how can I have my heart in the spot where God can use me for anything that he asks. That's a Christian call. It's a Christian life. And I can promise you it will never be balanced. So what? Now this is where it sort of starts to tie in with with what Dr. Phil might tell you. <clears throat> um, because reality is for us to get to our heart, sometimes we, we, we aren't, the, the thing is that sometimes we're not dealing with our heart because we are doing some things that, that we shouldn't be doing that never give us the time to deal with our heart. So I want to look at three things. George, what time are we done in this session again? Okay, so we'll move to questions in one sec here. Three things that, that came to mind that I just wanted to... to uh, let you know that I think these three things probably uh, keep us from getting to our heart the most. All of us probably have, right now, probably all of you, like if you pictured your heart right now, probably all of you have a little sludge sitting in there. Some of you more, some of you less. You've all got a little something. None of you are here to point your finger at anyone else, nor am I here to point my finger at you, uh, because I I always do. It doesn't take us long. I can sit in I can sit in a I can sit in a Christian conference and and be be filled with the Spirit and worshiping and praying and uh, walk out and be critical of someone and walk out and all of a sudden oh, a little sludge little sludge little sludge it builds up fast all right so you never you're never in a spot where you can go ahead and tell everyone else about their uh, their sawdust when you've got a plank in your eye but anyways let's let's look at what it is that keeps us from getting to those spaces and dealing with that sludge one I'm too busy to see that there's anything to address in my heart. So I'm just too, too darn busy. This is where Dr. Phil and I would agree. We're, we're, sometimes that is just about balancing your calendar. It's about creating margin in your life, creating space in your life where you do actually know what's coming, where you can work on things. I liked what uh, Jason said this morning when he was speaking. He said, if you really want to make a difference, get up earlier, leave for work earlier so that you can be interrupted on the way. So that there is margin on the way. So that maybe you will bump into someone. Instead of like, I, I don't know if anyone compared your commute to work to that, the sound of that. Mine's like, I'm in, I'm in the Comox Valley. And so we're not used to waiting more than one light to cross a bridge. And so uh, the other day I was coming home and uh, I've got, uh, this wasn't to work. It was my son's birthday. I've got an ice cream cake in the car. I'm running late. Kendall's, Kendall's rushed home from her work. I'm rushing home from my work. And uh, I've, got to, I've got to pick up his present on the way home, which was a bike. Yes. Uh, it was awesome. He hugged it the next day on his, uh, when he went to school. So it was a good present. We, we, I'm coming home with an ice cream cake. And, and I'm trying to get home fast tomorrow. And I know I need to pick up a bike. And I'm not sure if it's going to fit in my car. And so as I'm heading home, I'm like, uh, I'm stopped at the lights. I'm like, what? What is this line? There's a bridge. And I'm like, there's not supposed to be... Lo- Car lines? I don't even know what they're called anymore. Uh, 
this thing, this thing that's right here in front of me, there's not supposed to be that, you know? And, and uh, the green light goes, people go through, and I didn't get through. I'm like, are you serious? And uh, uh, again, I waited two, or does that count as three? I think it's three lights to get through the Brit, and it was just, I was just like panicked. I'm like, what if this ice cream cake melts all over my car? Anyways, it didn't. It was awesome. I don't know how people get ice cream cakes in somewhere like Vancouver, though. I have no idea. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, sometimes we're just too busy to, to actually address anything. Like that, even that day, I go home. Hey, sweets, how you doing? Oh, here's the cake. Boom, boom, boom. I'll go hide the bike. And then I'm going to go do this. And I, okay, you got the chips. You got this. Boom, boom. I'll hit the barbecue. Boom, 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 boom. End of day. Dishes, 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 dishes. A little bit of uh, hanging out. How are you, you good today? Me too. Cool. Let's go to bed. <laughs> like... Like, hey, how's your heart? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? How's the cake? That's what matters right now. I don't have to worry about that. And so sometimes we think, oh, my heart, well, I don't know why. I can't figure out why my heart's not doing well. I don't know. It's because you have given your heart no time. You don't have time for your heart. So why would it be good? Nothing is good in your life if you don't have time for it. If you have a garden, your garden's ugly if you don't do anything with it. If you have a if you have a house that needs cleaning, it's not clean if you don't clean it. If you have a heart that's full of sludge, it's not unsludgy if you don't deal with it. That's the reality. Okay? So if you're too busy, you're never going to do it. So here's what I want to suggest to you. If you're going to be a slave to something, let it be to your calendar rather than your chaos. So type in all your schedule. Plan margin. Plan when you're going to go out with someone. Plan when you're going to add extra time in between meetings. When I first started as a uh, lead pastor, I was like, sweet, I'll, plan, I'll book all my meetings for one hour. And then I went boom, 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 like, like that. So I'd show up about half hour late to like every meeting. It's like, oh, sorry, that went over. Oh, sorry, that went over. I had to commute that one. I just didn't know. So I planned margin. Because if, if at the end of the day, all that it means is you're on time for meetings, you're going to breathe easier. You're going to be happier. Your heart's going to be better managed. Two, I, I, wanna, I just want to tell you this about, about busyness. If you don't enjoy your job, start asking God for to change your heart or give you another one. Because I love my job. And I can't imagine working as hard as I do at a job that I don't like, but I think some of you probably do that. And so if you're busy doing things that you don't even like, your heart is going to get hard fast. What's this life, God? Go get a different job. And one that you don't have to take, oh, i got to get away. For, I can't wait for the weekend. Get me out of this can't wait for my vacation get me out of this you're living from weekend to weekend then you're going to miss uh, you're going to miss five-sevenths of your life you're going to hate five-sevenths of your life don't live that way live a calling where god where god you can recognize god's got me here for a purpose then that busyness won't be as annoying and t- terrible for your heart and then last thing i'll say on that is don't trade what's important for what's urgent um schedule your important things Urgent things don't mean they're important things. Sometimes urgent things are just urgent things. So if someone says, I've got an emergency, uh, say, I've got time with my kid. Like, uh, yeah, but, like, i got a no sleep. <laughs> Put a Kleenex on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Often when people say they have urgent things, all I'm saying is they're not actually urgent. Or maybe they're urgent, but they're not actually important. They think they are in the moment, but they're probably not. Uh, second, so first, I'm too busy to see there's anything to address. Two, I'm too proud to admit that my heart might be off. If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, this would be the hardest thing for you. 
If you're not a Christian, you probably know that your heart's not in a good space. I know. I, I can feel that. If you're a Christian, you sort of think, no, I should be pretty good by now. I better not tell anyone that I'm not good. I'm good. I'm fine. And then, you're, you know, your spouse or your friend or your pastor or your whoever wants to talk to you and say, hey, how are you doing? Fine. Good. Good. Why? Well, just notice that you're sort of cranky with everyone. You're not being very nice. And it seems like you hate your job and you hate your life and all that stuff. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Stop that. You are never supposed to be perfect on your own. You don't graduate from grace. Grace meets, starts the journey and ends the journey for you. So don't graduate from it. So confess your shortcomings. Um, when you're generous, do it without telling people. When you're compassionate, do it without telling people. Expose your jealousy and envy. And then here's a big one. If you're too proud to admit that your heart might be off, I want you to just limit your social media. Social media drives our comparison. It drives uh, 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 our pride. And, and, and we don't try to, but we just start to realize like it's rising up because I'm going to try to look this way and appear that way. Remember, being pure in heart is not to look a certain way, but it's to see a certain thing. It's to see God. So let's see God together. Be too, don't be too busy. Don't be too proud. And last one. Um, sort of goes with pride. So I'm too entitled uh, to assume that I and not my circumstances should change. In other words, sometimes our hearts are in bad spots and we go, oh, I know why. My job. So as long as I'm in this job, I guess I'm going to be a crotchety, cranky person and lose my hair. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, sorry. It's just going to be, oh, I'm, I'm going to be this way. Maybe it's, well, because when I was a kid, that person did that thing to me. So, so always who I'm going to be. What? You're overcomers. In Jesus' name. He's strengthened you to live a different kind of life. He's given you a new life. Walk it. Experience it. Your circumstances will not make you more happy. A different life would not make you more happy. You allowing Jesus to impact you right now, right where you're at, right in the situation will make you more happy. And if you have any questions about that, you should read about the martyrs that have died because of the faith and how often they're just smiling right until the end. They're, they're sharing the gospel right until the end. Read the Bible and look at the disciples who just shared and didn't care in the moment. They were okay. And then, um, and then quit comparing. That was the last one with the untitled. Sometimes we only think we should live a different life because uh, we compare. One of my, uh, a long time ago, actually at City Youth, I preached this one message, and this guy, Griffin Hall, who lives with us now, uh, he reminds me of this one all the time because he, he, he loves this line. He says, life is fair until you compare. And that's what we talk about. Life feels great. It feels all good until you see someone else's who's better than yours. Wait a second. I was happy with what I had until I saw how much you have. I was happy with my job until I saw yours. I was happy with my little raise until I saw your big raise. Like what? I was happy with my hairline until I saw yours. Like what? Not fair. It's just not fair. Don't be too busy. Don't be too proud. Don't be too entitled to, to allow your heart. Those are the three that I've shared. Yeah. Busyness often comes from fear. Busy. I, I make myself busy because I don't know what, I, what I'll do with, with my heart or I better accomplish or I'm afraid that people won't value me. A, lo a lot of these are the things that we do because our heart is the way it is. 
So when there's fear in our heart about how my, my spouse feels about me, I better just stay at work because I'm not sure if she's going to treat me nice and I'm not sure if she loves me and I'm not sure if she values me and I'm not sure. So I'm just going to keep busy over here and I'm just going to forget that I, I don't even need to deal with the fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we are in question zone. We have eight minutes. Any questions or thoughts? Personal leadership is probably different than you expected, but I hoped, I hoped to throw a curveball at you and hit you with the gospel a little bit more than, than, uh, than maybe you expected. Questions? Thoughts? Yeah. Right, yeah, the question, the question is, um, I'm just going to repeat that for anyone who's listened to this afterwards, or it's, it's more a comment of just the, the fact that, yeah, everything that we do truly does flow from our hearts, and that dealing with our actions is rarely actually dealing with the problem, and, and dealing with the, the, our hearts is, is, the, is, the real question, is the real thing that we need to do uh, that will change everything. It's that picture that Jesus gives us, right, of, of uh, the whitewashed tombs. Deal with the inside. The outside will be good. You know, deal with your heart. The outside will take care of itself. If you let Jesus into your heart, let him, let, him, let him heal the places that you've usually hid from him. All of a sudden, your actions will come into alignment with your heart rather than your actions coming into alignment with some concept of Christianity that you have that hasn't actually affected your heart. And it creates the greatest hypocrisy, and I'll tell you, it'll make your heart sicker and sicker and sicker. The, the greatest sickness that can come into your heart uh, is is when you uh, try to look like a Christian when you're not feeling like a Christian. You try to try to behave like a Christian when you're not feeling the Spirit moving through you. Uh, so instead of of spending so much energy trying to look like something on your own strength, instead pursue the one that will give you the strength to to live the life out that you're trying to live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, share it with the Lord. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, scripture, scripture teaches us. Jesus teaches us. Uh, so as we as we mourn, the the promise the promise that He gives us is that it's more blessed to mourn with His comfort than to not mourn at all. And so, what does it look like to expect? that the comfort that Jesus can give us is is greater than whatever grief we're facing. And so then pursuing through Him first, through each other second, um, uh, uh, the, the just just continue. I think, I think sometimes what we do is we try to cap it off at some point. Like this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. I'm going to tell God, I'm going to tell God. Start with God, by the way. Don't start with people. Otherwise, you cut, you're spilling out too much. Like, whoa, whoa. And people, eventually you might isolate yourself because you've just been dumping on people. But dump, dump your uh, things on God. Jesus, Jesus says to us, come to me those who, those who are 
weary. When you're weary, come to me, uh, for I am humble and gentle. Uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if you're heavy laden, if you're heavy burdened, come to me. Keep coming to me over and over. Sometimes we think there should be an end to the grief for the morning. Go, okay, now I should take this from here, God. And no, 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 no. Even if you've dealt with most of it, that little bit that's left is going to grow into far more than you ever knew before. Uh, Jesus invites us into this open relationship. That, uh, uh, and I don't mean open as in you and him and many other gods. <laughs> I mean open as in open up your heart. Be honest because you can trust him. He can handle your stuff. Sometimes we think if we're honest, that if I just did not deny this, Maybe it doesn't exist, uh, but it does. And we see that it does and it damages our hearts and we just get crushed. Uh, but if I can open it up, one, one, when we open it up to God, uh, he can work in us and heal us. Two, when we open ourselves up to God, he teaches us how to open us up to other relationships, healthy relationships. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, Jesus called us to be a, a servant to all. He showed us, and he showed us how, for sure, how 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 to serve. And that he says that when we will humble ourselves, he will he will lift us up. I mean, he he will elevate us in those moments. Um, I think I think serving others doesn't mean um, denying your gifts. It doesn't mean denying your capacity, your experience. It doesn't mean um, uh, uh, those, like there's there's a false pr- humility that comes in saying, "Oh, I don't have that much to offer. I'm not that great," or whatever. Uh, serving and uh, doesn't mean to deny who you are, uh, but to allow yourself to thrive. But no matter where God places you, you're you're okay. You'll do well there. You'll you'll serve there. I have a friend, he's been married uh, a long time, seven kids, he's run a successful business uh, and, and done really well. He says, I said, what, what is it that, you know, what, how do you keep your marriage going well? He says, I just do more dishes. <laughs> I said, like what, like, what do you mean? He goes, uh, well, you have seven kids. I'm like, yeah, so you just do more dishes? Yeah, yeah, there's always more dishes to do, so I just do more. And so he goes, if I'm tired, I do dishes. If she's mad, I do dishes. If I'm mad, I do dishes. And, and he works himself into submission. Meanwhile, he's leading this massive, this big organization. I think, well, I think he's got about 40 uh, employees uh, that are working for him, a multi-million dollar company, and that, but that's, who, that's what he's decided to be in, the, in his family. I'm just going to serve. I'm going to love. Uh, and so I think, I think there is something um, just simply to that. Uh, sometimes in an unhealthy uh, scenario when, when, when we're doing that uh, and people are taking advantage of us, uh, we have to be, I think we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware when people are, are taking advantage of our service. Um, uh, but we have to be aware of it within our own heart. So again, that's listening to our heart. Am I, am I frustrated at this because I'm feeling less valuable than I am? Or, or, am I, or, or what, what's in my heart in this situation? And uh, addressing our heart, Jesus, I mean, the picture that we have of Jesus is just like this guy who's literally betrayed by everyone, mocked by everyone, spat on, like 
name called everything, everything. And there he is in the midst of that, before they've apologized, before they've done, in fact, they've done it over and over, before that, says, forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's serving them, that, that he who could, he who was God in flesh, did not consider that something to be grasped, um, but instead made himself lower than all of us, you know, humble servant of all of us. So I think I think just manage that within view of His mercy, you know. Romans uh, Romans twelve one urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, which means no rights, living sacrifices, uh, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is your spiritual act of worship. So so in but only in view of God's mercy. And so I think start with getting in view of God's mercy and then say, now what, God? So our, our task shouldn't be first, serve, 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 serve. Again, that's me trying to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. But instead, ah, God, I want to be in view of your mercy. And then whatever that does to my heart, let it flow out. You know, Let it become what it's supposed to become rather than let me become what I think I should become and hope that I'm being Christian. No, I just want to live in view of your mercy and let it change my heart. And my heart being changed and healed by you is going to result in my actions looking different. That, that makes sense? You okay? Anything else? All right. <laughs> We're done? Do you have, it sounds like you guys are done, but we do have five more minutes, George says. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I actually dealt with this. Uh, probably the biggest moment I've had in ministry of that happened within the last three weeks. And uh, <clears throat> you need to have some safe people in your life. And, and you need to know that not all people are going to be the safe people in your life. And so Kendall is one of my safe people in my life. And, uh, and actually, Pastor Andy is also uh, one of the safe people in my life. And, and uh, s- several of the pastors of this church are, are still people that I talk to regularly, and I'm thankful for them. Uh, but you need, you, just, you need to air that out. <laughs> you, need to let, you need to let that up. Starting with, I think, I think for me, it's best, again, to start with God. Oh, man, I, I felt personally attacked here. God, I, I feel. I think one of the things that we don't do often is just tell someone what we're feeling. Like literally, just not say like, "What do I do?" But like, I I feel this way. Like I feel betrayed. I feel hurt. I feel overwhelmed. I feel rejected. I feel. And just to be honest with our feelings, I think starting with God is best. Um, and just to in in prayer, just like pouring out. Like there, I I feel. I think we sort of see Jesus do that in, Gets, uh, in Gethsemane. Like, I 
feel like I don't want to do this, but if it's your will, you know that, that piece. There's something about us just spilling out our emotion to God that starts to, he can start to heal and give direction to us. Uh, so I think there's that. And then I often also, before I re- react to the moment, respond to the moment, figure it out, I often will then share my feelings again with a trusted person. Um, and that's usually Kendall. Uh, just to say, I'm feeling this way, you know, uh, what do I do with that? Where do I go with that? What do you think? So that I can, um, so that I can ad- uh, approach it well. And then, um, and then part of guarding my heart is communicating then how, just so, you, just so you know, this is how that made me feel. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then after that, they say, I don't care. I mean, I'll do that again a million times. Uh, then at that point, say, hey, uh, this is not a voice I listen to anymore, <laughs> and my heart's going to be guarded that way. doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm not going to walk alongside of you. We might we might carry on do some things together still, but I can't I can't trust you. If that person's on staff with me, that'd be a different. That's a bit of a different story. If they're on staff with me, uh, we're meant we're meant to be united. But I will. I think I would still take a different approach rather than say you hurt me, you're out. I think it'd be like you hurt me. What's hurting in you? Um, and and uh, if if they share that, then whoa, we got somewhere to go. Oh, we got some healing. We're we got, we're acting like Christians. Uh, if they don't share that, they're unwilling to share that. Uh, say, I'm, I'm not hurting. I just think you're, ma 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 Then then at that point, we're we're, we're getting to the irreconcilable uh, space. And uh, at that point, you can't walk can't walk together. You're not you're not yoked together. That that makes sense. Did I answer it, James? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think um, where we need to, as a Christian, my my expectation of God is that He knows what's best for me, um, and uh, so for me, my my heart is that He He would know He knows He He has boundaries better than I have for myself. Whether I'm able to um, challenges as, as a for instance, I had someone recently talk to me about. Um, some of what they were facing. They said, I, I feel like I never 
have any days off. I feel like uh, my boss is really grinding me. I feel like I'm not I'm not doing well in this stuff. Um, I don't have I don't have so I don't also don't have time for devotions. I don't have time for scripture. I don't have time for friendship. I don't have all this stuff. And we got we got talking more. Found out that it wasn't just his job that was keeping him. He also had uh, this other job that he was trying to do and these other things. And so he had he had the boundaries that he had made were were all blurred by all of these other things. Sometimes I think. Um, where where a distrust sometimes happens with God can can take place. We feel like God, you've asked me to be this way. You've asked me to care for people always. I, I'm always going to be patient. I'm always going to be kind. I'm always going to be joyful, gentle. Some of those fruits of the spirit. I want to walk in that way. I always want to be those things. But I'm finding it really hard with my uh, schedule with this, schedule with that, schedule with that, schedule with that. I think what what I would say is that God doesn't say ah. Yeah, you're right. It's busy. Let's not worry about being kind. I think more it's like let's let's ad- address some of these things that are piling up because you're right. That sometimes we just go look at all of this stuff. I think a lot of the pressure that comes on us as far as what a Christian life should look like uh, isn't biblical. It didn't come from God. It just ca- it came from the church. It came from a pastor. Satan just sort of saying, "Hey, you should you need to do this. You need to serve this way. It needs to look this way." Well. Um, again, not addressing the heart, just addressing the actions of a person. So do I trust that God would would not give me more than I can handle? I do trust that God would not give me more than I can handle. Uh, but I do believe that my own um, my own shape of how I understand that has been tainted by other people, by my own expectations of myself, by other people's expectation of me, by sometimes the church's expectation of me as well or pastors, or, or my spouses, or my kids, or whatever that looks like. So I'm not, I'm not running the way that God has asked me to. I'm doing what I think God wants me to do, and what I think, uh, what I think others think that God wants me to do, and what I think uh, the church thinks that God wants me to do, and all of those things. And so then we've convoluted something pure that's meant to be pure. And, um, and so that, that's, the, that's a journey. If someone came to me and said, I'm feeling over overburdened. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I can't handle what I'm facing. Things I'm not going to say. Well, as long as you make sure you're doing all of these things that God said, then then you're good. Say what what has happened that you're so like? Let's talk about why are you why are you living that way in that friendship? Because that friendship is burning you out, and that friendship is wearing you out, and you're not gaining anything uh, from that. And so so um, God's not calling you. That's not you're not experiencing God's life there. And so that's going to be a sign to us that that's probably not what God's calling you into because here we have Peter, James, John, uh, uh, um, you know, all of these, Paul, all of these people within Scripture who are dying for their faith. So obviously living this pretty extreme uh, calling in their life, but they're, they're, they're marked with joy. And people say they're so joyful. Because, so, so that's what it looks like to live that pure calling. If people are not living, are not discovering the fruits of the Spirit, joy, patience, peace, peace uh, kindness, gentleness, all of those things, well, then something's off balance. And I don't think it's at that point we say, just do the Christian stuff. We say, let's look at what's keeping you from from allowing God to hit your heart and impact your heart and, and restore you um, to a place where you can walk in a, I think, I think balanced and boundaried way. But I would say that all boundaries look different. For different people, based and and I would I would connect that to calling from God. For for me, I do I do believe that God shapes every person's calling, and and there's is a, he actually speaks to that. Uh, Jesus speaks to that 
understood we've all been uh, we've all been given gifts based on the, our faith. Uh, so so each of us have a different faith that is meant to match the gift that God wants to give us. And so not all of us are meant to live the same life. And so that's again comparison causes me to live a life of that person's boundaries, not my boundaries. And now I've now I've gotten way out of skew because isn't that what the Christian life is supposed to look like? The Christian life doesn't have a cookie cutter. And that's, that's a good thing to recognize. The Christian life is simply obeying God. And that will look that will look life-giving and joyful. And if it doesn't, you need to go back to your heart. You need to go back to where God first called you and recognize what have you added that you shouldn't have added to the pure call that he gave you.